This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Visit betterhelp.com Padilla because sometimes existing is exhausting. My name's Anthony Padilla, and today I'll be spending a day with Calvin, an ex-cult member, to learn the truth about being born into a cult alongside his 44 siblings, the terrifying red flags that he started noticing, and what it took to actually escape this cult. By the end of this video, we'll find out if it's easy to reprogram your brain after decades of severe brainwashing, or if the process of shattering one's entire perception of the world is outright devastating or even torturous. Hello, Calvin. Brother, so happy to be here. Love what you've done with the place. <laughs> I feel like most people are sympathetic for people who have been inside a cult, but they feel like there is no way I could ever find myself within a cult. Do you think that that sentiment is true? Saying, how could anybody ever join a cult is like saying, how could anyone ever get in a toxic relationship? Nobody signed up to be in a toxic no. relationship. That's something that I think is missed a lot of times is, to me, the idea of cult is on a spectrum right. and it can shift. It's not until you can remove yourself from it just enough to look at it and be like, holy shit, that's not what I want. What was the name of the cult that you were a part of and what were the core fundamental beliefs? A lot of people have heard of Mormonism. There's also what is known as Mormon fundamentalism. Mormonism was founded by this guy, Joseph Smith. One of the things that Joseph Smith was notorious for is he was a polygamist. There was a small group of people within the Mormon church that felt that polygamy was a divine sacred thing that they should practice. And so they continued to live it and they lived it privately in this underground kind of movement. That's where I come from. You have to be connected to your priesthood head, your file leader and be in this bubble. And if you go into the outside world, then at, at the best you're in danger mm -hmm. of losing your soul. And this is very literal. This is not oh, yeah. a metaphor. One of the things that makes, that made it for me personally so incredibly challenging is not wanting to actually be damned to hell. When you imagine leaving, you pictured yourself actually like burning and Potentially, tortured. Potentially, yeah, because the, the question always would come back to like, what if I leave and I was wrong that I left? Humans are storytellers and what makes a good cult is a really good story. With really great rewards and Fantastic really rewards. damning Dam punishments. Yes, exactly. So one of the rewards is if we continue to do good, if we continue to be obedient, then we ourselves can someday be a God. Literally, you Literally, become a God. How? meaningful that yeah. that can feel like when you're in that like I can grow and become this that sounds so cool and then the other side because we've been given so much you will be judged based on what you're given so you're either gonna have the kingdom of God and be amazing or nothing right. or worse and yeah. that worse is is eternal pain and suffering and damnation and cast into outer darkness. One of the most sad things I, I heard when my grandmother died, I heard on her deathbed, she was saying, I hope I was good enough. I hope I was good enough. And it's for like, your entire life to yeah. come down to that moment of just reflecting and hoping that you did yeah. enough. I hope I did enough. Like I have to earn this and I have to strive so much and I could strive so much and work so hard and not just not know, 
still fall short. Mm. Seeing my grandmother get to that place and like get to the end of her life and then be be feeling that way about herself was, it was sad. So how many siblings did you have? Do you have? I have 44 siblings. I have more siblings than there are days in the month. <laughs> you had more siblings than there were presidents for a while. Holy shit. <laughs> You're right. That's another one. When I posted the community tab, post for this asking for questions, most people were curious about this idea of living in a community of siblings, 45 mm -hmm. siblings under one roof. Can you tell me a little bit about what that life was like? It's normal. How do we form normal? We form normal by what we are familiar with. It's all I knew. Now, on the other side of that, like, it was just fun. Typical day was getting up at 6 a.m. and going and milking the cow and weeding your section of the garden, playing basketball, just living life right It looks there. like you're looking back fondly about those memories. Yeah, no, they were amazing things. Like the very best thing was how many siblings I had. When you have as many siblings as we had, it was almost like even our family, we formed cliques. Oh, really? yeah. I can't imagine. I know, right? There's the cool siblings. Yeah, totally. <laughs> what was your relationship like with your parents? This culture particularly is incredibly patriarchal because the dad is your connection to priesthood. And so your dad is therefore the connection to God. Bingo. When you're in a culture like that, you have to like, be passed off by your dad, then it became less like dad child and way more authority follower. Can you get into what your dynamic was like with your moms? I have four moms. Four moms. Which by the way, if you do yeah. some math, my moms are freaking troop like 12, <laughs> 13 kids each. You were surrounded by multiple figures that could give you love, multiple motherly figures that could give you love. We were very much trained and conditioned. These are your moms. My dad hated the concept of, of favoritism or using his word, interestingly enough, it's his pet word is monogamy. Like monogamy is like a curse word in the culture. <laughs> You're gonna go do something with one of your own blood siblings? That sounds so self, that sounds so monogamous. You weren't trapped within a community, you could go out and eat at restaurants and whatnot. We did that almost zero. Who has the authority to speak truth? The priesthood. Where's the priesthood? Right here. If you want truth, why would you go outside of this? How did you know which mom was yours if you were never outright told? Because the birth mom is gonna take care of her kids like the most. Just like nursing. natural human instinct. Yeah, yeah. I can remember stuff when I could, when I was crawling. I remember getting my diaper changed. <laughs> what? Believe that's, it or not. That is a foreign and, concept. And I remember my mom putting me in the crib and stuff like that. Don't remember her nursing, thank goodness. <laughs> don't remember that. I'm no glad. suckling memories, I'm that's probably so good. Glad. I love you, mom, but glad I don't have that one. <laughs> Do you think that there's anything intrinsically wrong with polygamy? No. We felt persecuted from the outside world for generations on just that one idea. So if anybody wants to have any combination of relationship, no, like I have no view on it. Where, where I draw a line, when there are high stakes if you don't, where right. you no longer have free choice and not choice like you can choose the good path and go to heaven or you can choose the bad choice and go to hell. Choice right. is yours. <laughs> <The> choice. <laughs> you have know? freedom. Yeah, you, know, you can choose. Despite being born into a cult, do you feel like your parents were well-intentioned? One million percent. So you don't blame them for any of the behaviors that went on? Well, sometimes humans do really f stupid things and painful things. 
overall, yeah, my parents and, and then a lot of people that come from a culture like mine, absolutely well-intentioned. Doing it in the name of, of righteousness. The problem with that is righteousness can replace love. A memory that comes to me often um, whenever I get to this place is just like any little kid. Your, your dad is your, is your hero. Yeah. You know, of course, you don't have to talk about. Yeah. No. Want. No. No. I. I. It's. It's a great question. It needs to be talked about. It was right after one of my little siblings was born. He was in the hospital a long time because he was premature, and it was a big thing that he's finally home, and the family was so happy. And there was a Sunday morning. My mom was getting ready, who delivered this baby a couple months prior, and. My dad came in, gave me my little brother who was born, and I just remember thinking that this was such a beautiful moment. Like, I remember feeling so lucky. And then I looked up and noticed that the energy shifted between my mom and my dad. And then I watched my dad hit my mom. And what was going on through your mind at that moment? Confusion. Yeah. Even as a young person, like you're, you're trained to like try to compartmentalize it or just don't just throw it away. And that was just so confusing. And what made it even more confusing after freezing, uh, I, I started just screaming and bawling. And my dad came over and gave me a hug and said, hey, you're okay, you're okay. And went and took me to get ice cream and stuff like that. And life continues on. It's how it can become so toxic because it's not always bad. And that's what covers up the shit. It's just too easy that if they're a male and they hold the priesthood, forgive them. And all this bullshit sta statements that are ignoring the victim, let this go so because it's just holding on to you. And all the while, silent suffering happens. It's not fair. Did any part of that strike you as odd or make you question or sit in your head in a way that made you be like, I don't know if I could trust any of this? That was enough to be like, that can't, that can't be cool. But I remember even questioning, hmm, I wonder what my mom must have done to deserve that. You were almost taught to victim blame. If you rile somebody up that has a, a, an authority position, then it's usually like, you're the one in the wrong. Did anyone ever tell you that you were brainwashed? No, in fact, you're always looking at the outside world and seeing why they're wrong. You know the truth. Yeah, we know the truth. We're so lucky. We're so lucky. We need to pray at night and day that we got to be born into this. I'm assuming there are lots of people watching right now who are thinking that isn't, that doesn't sound like a cult. That sounds like a, just a strict religion. Things usually don't start out as a cult. They started out as a beautiful mission, a beautiful value system. A cult is like a, dis, a disintegration, a, a degradation of something that was once good. And as it continued on, control became more centralized. The in-group, out-group dynamic got stronger. The stakes for leaving got, got more harsh and the potential rewards for staying in usually greater. Mm -hmm. And that's what can create 
what we would call a cult. Was there a key moment when you realized that you really had to break down your entire belief system? I asked if I could go to college. I remember the first conversation I had with my dad that I wanted to go to college. Like, if you want to continue to grow and learn and have knowledge, why would you go to college? It's like, so I can learn stuff. But you just answered the question, right? Yeah, he would say not stuff that, was, that would help you achieve salvation. The main point as to why it's very rare in my family is you are at risk of losing your soul. If you go to college? Because you will be among the others. So you could be, what, converted and brainwashed into the outside world? Bingo. You could lose your way. How did you convince them? I went to a meeting with my grandfather, yeah. and he's like, well, what do you want to go for? And I said business, and he thought about it, and he's like, you know what, that's probably a good idea, because we have so many people that are in construction, and some plumbers and electricians, we don't really have anybody that ha that knows business. So it was basically going for the community. And you were being very honest. You did want to come back and be the business totally. person. Yeah, and you have to take general education. Yeah. And so one of the classes I took was a philosophy class. I can just see how this all goes south, philosophy. Oh, dude. <laughs> this class was so cool because she, the entire semester was themed off of the Matrix. But I'm sure there are which, lots of parallels that you uh, started well, to notice. The Matrix was based on an and actually a really old story, Plato's Allegory of the Cave. There are these people inside of a cave and they've been there in their entire life. All of a sudden, on this wall in front of them, these shadows appear and they make meaning as to what these shadows are and it's everything that they just, they just love it. Like when they see the shadows on their wall, they're like, this is heaven. Like they discuss it, they argue, like the shadows are their reality. One day, one of the people in Plato's story breaks loose from the chains and he noticed that there's a back wall and so he walks to the back of the cave and looks behind the wall and he sees that the shadows are being created by someone holding up some shape in front of a flame. Everything in this person's life comes into question because the shadows that he thought were real are just a projection of something else. And then he sees a crack in the wall and climbs out and goes out of the cave. So let's say he saw a shadow of a tree, then he goes out and he sees a real tree. His mind is blown. Literally his entire identity and everything just became shattered because everything he thought he knew was not true. And it scared him. And after it scared him, he then was like, this is awesome. There's, there's so much more to life. But I still have friends and family down there. They need to know about this. So he goes back to the cave. He can't see very well. He stumbles. And so people are like, hey, like, where have you been? And he's like, oh, let me tell you. Like, there's this whole outside world that's crazy. And of course, they have no frame of reference. So what do they think? He's gone crazy. But what could be better than the shadows that we have? They ask him. Don't you understand what I'm trying to say? What I've seen, these shadows are nothing compared to what's real and what's out there. Now they feel threatened. Well, what are you saying? Are you trying to take away our shadows? And so because they feel threatened, they kill him. After my professor tells us that story, I thought of everything I knew to be true. Holy shit. There wasn't a single thing, not a single thing that was like a core thing that I had internally discovered. It was from my dad, 
or the other priesthood leaders, the church. It was the first thing that was like what I call the crack. That was the thing that was so incredibly unsettling. I couldn't say for certain why what I believed was actually worth believing in. Did you feel like every, like your eyes were open? Like everything around you looked different? That was the beginning point that casted doubt. I didn't say that this is wrong. I was like, I said, I hope it's still true. You hope that everything that you that I, that built believe, your life yes, on is yes. real. I hope it's real. So what it did is it put me in an intense study mode, curiosity mode. And I was like, if it is true, then I'll find it outside of this. Then where it really blew wide open is when I left the bubble. I left my small town in Utah. I went to an event. I shared it in this intimate group of people. I'm starting to doubt my entire, entire reality. And one of the people asked, what happens to people if they're wrong? Like, and he had me describe hell to him. And then he says, kind of seems like that's what you feel like right now. He made me see that I was living, I was agonizing almost in a hell-like way now. And you were that, feeling internally yeah. what you described as an external thing. And so all those pieces is what it came together, finding things that are true like so much. And that's what led to this, this moment where I realized I don't believe this anymore. You actually have a voice memo that you recorded that that very specific moment when you did completely deconstruct it. The day I decided, yeah. Can you play that for us? Sure. Before we continue learning about the world of escaping a cult, I just wanted to take a quick moment to see how you're all feeling about these one-on-one -on -one interviews that I've been doing a little bit more often that allow us to really go way more in depth into some of these stories that I feel really require that extra time. The standard format that you already love for the series is not going away though. We'll be back next week with I Spent a Day with Aromantics with three guests as usual. I'm really enjoying it, but it's not all about me. I wanna know what you think. Leave a comment below. And I'd like to thank Honey for their continued support in sponsoring this series and allowing us to explore some of these deeper topics. Honey is the free browser extension that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart so you don't have to sit there at checkout wondering if you could be saving a ton of money because if Honey finds a working coupon, a Honey button drops down and all you have to do is click apply coupon. Honey supports over 30,000 stores online from tech to popular fashion brands and food delivery, so you're pretty much set with whatever it is that you buy online. I won't ask. Honey has saved me a silly amount of money with my online purchases, like the yerba mate I downed last night that pumped caffeine through my veins and allowed me to stay up until 4 a.m. doing research for this episode. It was a great time. Did I mention that Honey is literally free? free. Yes, but I had to say it again, and it felt good to say it again. And it installs in just a few seconds, so if you wanna do yourself a solid and also support this series, I appreciate it. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash Padilla. Again, it's free. And if you go to joinhoney.com slash Padilla, you'll be directly supporting this series. Now, back to the world of escaping a cult. As I record this, I'm here in my apartment in Centennial Park, Arizona. What I'm doing is reflecting on what what I really want is whether or not I'm going to stay with the community, with the family, with the religion that I've been a part of for the last 29 plus years. And the thing that I think I'm concluding to 
the thing that I haven't ever recorded on any way that I think I'm going to say it here. I don't think I am going to stay. I don't think I'm going to stay in the work. The work is <coughs> what the religion is called. When I sit with myself and I imagine myself five years down the road, ten years down the road, and staying, it just doesn't feel right. I have to believe that if this place, if this religion is the one true place, God's place, if I was removed from it, I would be able to, to find it. But all these people searching for truth, how many of them have found the work? Really, 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 really small. In fact, when I look at the work and the religion, who's in it? Who's in it are people that have been in it. They've been born into it. It's a bunch of the same family. That's a red flag to me. And so what I'm documenting to myself, and I guess just having the courage to say to myself out loud, is it's a matter of time. I'm leaving the work. And that's when you actually say it. As awesome as the people Yeah, I can are. see, I can see the goosebumps. How does it feel hearing that back? So freaking proud. Can you, can you hear everything, all the, the, the process yeah, of what I'm you're doing? The wheels, I'm he hearing the wheels turning and stuff like that because I'm hearing myself come to things that based on my own life experiences, going out into the world and meeting with people and stuff like that, coming to a belief system that is mine, not what somebody else taught me. And I might even be wrong. Yeah, yeah. And be okay with I would rather choose this and go to hell, if that's what it meant, than believe in this other stuff that just doesn't make any goddamn sense to me. You can kind of hear how long it takes you to say it, because you feel it, you know it's there, it's like on the tip of your tongue, but you're just, you're almost afraid of letting the words come out of your mouth. If you say it, you can't take it back. You better be ready. It was still a couple of months till I, till I told people. You really so, had to come to terms with it yourself. Yeah, I had to come to terms with myself. The biggest uh, one that I was worried about telling was my dad. It was incredibly agonizing. I just felt that it was going to wreck him. I went over to his house and, and said, can we have a conversation? I went up to his room and told him. And Did he know before you told him? No. Mm. And I just, and I just told him, and yeah, and it, and it broke him. And he, he asked me why and tried to talk me out of it. And I was just like, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm out. What was the energy in the room like? Freeing, because telling my dad was the beginning of me be, truly being my own independent self that's not tied to some external source mm -hmm. telling me how I should think, act, or behave. Now that you've been through that and you have that entire world to reflect on, where else do you feel like this cult-like behavior exists in everyday life? Wherever you see community yeah. and where it can start to turn into something not so good is if you start to say, we're all amazing and you're invalidating the, the groups outside of you. And then where you start to elevate some centralized authority yeah. Then it can become incredibly cult-like. It could be applied to anything. Relationships, even on a one-on-one, -on -one, it can be that way. The whole relationship thing, especially comparing it to a toxic relationship, yeah. it feels like the stakes are high either, either way. Yeah, I feel like it exists around us everywhere, everywhere, whether it's politics or nationalism or capitalism. Here's another rule of cult. You only can see it from the outside. So how do you know you're not inside one? Are you nervous at all about showing your face on camera to potentially millions of people knowing that members from your cults 
were still there, even your family could see it. I'm more comfortable in my own skin than I've literally ever been. And if they, if somebody is offended, cool. Like that's part of life anyway. You're if going I, to offend someone no matter yeah, what. Yeah, the right? more, if I'm gonna have that anyway, yeah. and if it can potentially help somebody or give somebody else empathy, whether inside or outside, mm -hmm. I, I think I used to be, but I am more comfortable with that than I've ever been. If there is anyone from your past, your family, your religion, your church that is watching that stumbled upon this video, is there anything that you'd wanna to say to them? Well, the one thing we know for sure is we've got this. This one life, this is our life to live. Really, really sit with yourself and see if this is coming from you, something that you would choose. If you were on neutral footing, would you choose the life you have now? Or was it just given? As long as you're doing what you wanna do and you truly feel that you are happy and it's leading to deeper happiness, do you, boo. What do you think is the biggest misconception about cults in general? People that are in them must just be brainwashed. And I think it's a very sobering and humbling thought when you really see the psychological things at play that you're like, huh, like maybe I could and actually be careful and question and look around. I see certain things like even people putting like a decal on their car. I'm like, that person believes so strongly about whatever that is, whether it be the American flag, the Darwin fish, the whatever it is, that is the type of person that maybe doesn't really question, think outside. They're just like, this is the way it is. A mind full of conclusion has no room for expansion. And that's what you just have to be careful with. It doesn't mean you can't have any strong foundation or footing of things that you believe, if those beliefs are serving you. But I think what's helpful is be open-minded enough that it's not a full stop. All right, you got five seconds to shout out or promote anything you want directly into camera, go. I just wrote my first children's book dedicated to my daughter, Belle. Mistakes are A-OK -okay, Maggie May. You can go pre-order it now. Go to calvinwayman.com forward slash book. Is this your first video? Haven't you seen these videos? They're fantastic. <laughs> if you're not subscribed, what are you doing? What are you you're doing with your life? You are so much goodness. Look at this. Look, Look at, at this. this stage. There's so much you cannot see. Well, there you have it. I spent a day with Calvin, an ex-cult member, and I feel like I understand the way that it it feels to be on the inside of a cult, at least a little bit better. And it might seem obvious to people on the outside of a belief system that something is very wrong, but it is not so easy for anyone experiencing it from the inside. And I think this actually applies to way more things in all of our lives than we might even realize. And I commend Calvin's courage for reliving these traumatizing experiences on a platform with potentially millions of viewers so we can all learn something deeper and hopefully find a way to apply it to ourselves in the process. Yeah, I grew up on a farm. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, small family farm. Small family? Well. <laughs> Touche, brother. Touche. Small family farm uh, or small right. family uh, farm? Small farm, big family. Sounds like uh, the name of a hit TLC TV show.